My name is Phaedra Aldridge. Welcome to the second season of Look Again, Mental Illness Reexamined, a podcast about mental illness brought to you by the BC Schizophrenia Society and our BC partner organizations. Mental illness touches everyone's lives, whether we want to admit it or not. And yet illnesses like schizophrenia are rarely discussed publicly, let alone printed proudly and boldly on t-shirts. And that lack of conversation is what today's guest is hoping to change. Meet Michelle Hammer, a mental health advocate, entrepreneur, and graphic designer, and yes, someone living with schizophrenia. In this episode, Michelle will share her very personal journey around mental illness and how she started her Schizophrenic NYC to proudly start conversations about serious mental illness. No topic is off limits for this very native New Yorker. And I'm excited to have her join us to kick off season number two with some honest talk. And I know you are going to enjoy Michelle as much as I do. Michelle, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you doing? I love that accent. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) Okay, Michelle, let's get into it. So we do hear about people being misdiagnosed quite often. And Michelle, you were misdiagnosed with bipolar at the age of 18. Please take us back and describe what led up to that diagnosis. So I guess I could start in high school. In high school, um, you know, I, I didn't really behave. I wasn't doing homework. I was acting very depressed. My mom tried to get me help, but every time I thought she was trying to help me or anyone was trying to help me, I believed they were really trying to hurt me. I didn't want help from anyone. I I, I was just very, very paranoid. Now, when I think back, I was extremely paranoid. So thinking that my mother was trying to, you know, sabotage me, hurt me, trying to kill me, all of those feelings. I go to college. I think I'm free of her. And then everything is going great. I'm loving it. and I'm having a great time. And then all of a sudden, those paranoid thoughts of, you know, that I was had about my mom, I start having about my roommate. I'm thinking that she's trying to sabotage me, hurt me, or trying to kill me. And then it just kind of clicked in my head. Oh my goodness, it was me the whole time. So realizing that, I made an appointment with the college health center with a therapist and I just went. And I go there and I'm really just looking for any kind of diagnosis. The doctor had a checklist that he was just saying, well, how do you feel this? Do you feel this? Do you feel this? And I didn't know what to say. I just wanted a diagnosis. I was just so desperate. I think I kind of said yes to questions that I really shouldn't have said yes to. And he diagnosed me with bipolar within about 30 minutes and gave me a pamphlet and told me to go speak with the school psychiatrist. She put me on meds. They didn't work, obviously, because I'm not bipolar, and I ended up going to the psych ward soon after that, and during the college, I went to the psych ward three times, all sent by my college. So it wasn't until after college, and I 22 is when I was finally diagnosed with schizophrenia. So what was that like, Michelle, to be diagnosed at 22 with schizophrenia after thinking you had bipolar all those previous years? Well, the thing is, like, I kind of knew that bipolar diagnosis was incorrect, but I, like, didn't really want to say anything about it because I kind of, like, knew something was up, but I didn't want to think about it. So when I got that diagnosis of schizophrenia, I was super bummed out. And I was like, oh, God, what's going to happen? No one's going to love me. And then I went out to dinner with, like, you know, three of my college roommates. I live with them forever. You know, they knew me very well. We go out to dinner and I say to them, I'm just thinking, you know, what do I say? What do I say? What do I say? And I go, guys, I found out I'm schizophrenic. And they just all looked at me with this face. And I turned to the right. My friend goes, 
isn't that what you had the whole time? My other friend goes, that could have not been more obvious. And then my friend goes, yeah, we told you that. So I'm like, okay, so if my best friends already knew this and didn't care, why should I care about anyone else's negative opinion of me in the future? I mean, that really helped. And I say now that, you know, being diagnosed with schizophrenia was the best thing that ever happened to me because then it got me treated for the correct illness. Wow. What an amazing, powerful statement. Being diagnosed with schizophrenia changed your life in a positive way. And if I could put that on a t-shirt, Michelle, I would. So once you were diagnosed with schizophrenia at 22, all your best friends knew you had this illness. Yes. How has schizophrenia affected your life since the age of 22? Well, um, living in New York City, I did uh, worked in corporate graphic web design for five years. And I had to skip around from job to job. And it wasn't because of my design aesthetic. It was just being schizophrenic. But I decided to start my own business, Schizophrenic NYC. And what I realized that I worked in almost every industry you can possibly imagine for corporate graphic and web design in New York City. Having all of that experience helped me start my business. So it, I think, you know, turn a negative into a positive that number one, you had the skills backing you up to be able to transform a, a very serious diagnosis and embrace it and turn it into something very positive. So let's hear a little bit about Schizophrenic NYC. Tell us more about it. Well, Schizophrenic NYC was made by me, Schizophrenic New Yorker, just trying to change the way that New York City sees mental health, especially the mentally ill homeless. I donated portions of the profits to help them out. And it's all about creating conversations, you know? A lot of the designs I have have things like the Rorschach test, and the Rorschach test is usually plain black, but I filled it in with my patterns and colors. Because when a person with schizophrenia looks at that plain black test or goes through life, they see things from a different perspective. But now when I put my colors in the test and patterns, everybody sees it from a different perspective, getting you to think differently and start a discussion because only through discussion can you try to reduce or end stigma. And then, like you mentioned, I have the shirts like Don't Be Paranoid, You Look Great, or It's Not an Illusion, You Are Incredible, or the one I'm wearing now, I'm Mentally Ill and I Don't Kill. And, you know, people see these shirts and they're like, hey, you know, what is that? Where'd you get that? What's that about? And that just starts a whole conversation because in New York, one in five people have a mental illness, but nobody talks about it because of all the stigma. Because when you see public mental illness in New York City, it's that guy by the subway yelling and screaming and they don't want to be associated with that person. But if everyone would just be more open and honest, people would realize that they know many, many people with mental illness. When I'm at my pop-up shop and I tell people I have schizophrenia, the person usually responds to me that they have a mental illness, a friend of theirs has a mental illness, or a family member of theirs has a mental illness. So if it's so common, what is with all the stigma? It doesn't make any sense to me. Whew, I applaud you. And one out of 100 people have schizophrenia. We're not talking some rare illness that's out there that nobody has. Most of us, let's face it, will know somebody that has this illness. Yes, definitely, definitely. But that's never what you, you always see on the news, like the dangerous people with schizophrenia, the dangerous people with mental health, because that's what makes the news. You know, crisis in, in mental illness is public, but wellness in mental illness is private. So therefore, you know, you only hear bad things and that's how everything just gets skewed. So let's talk about these myths. Some of the myths I hear, which you've already touched on, that if you have schizophrenia, you are violent automatically. You hear that you have split personality. We hear that people with schizophrenia come from bad childhoods. 
What myths do you hear as an individual living with schizophrenia? Uh, I mean, people people have like questioned my ability to drive, you know, and then also like the split personality. People have asked me that and like, no, that's completely different. That's DID and that's a whole different thing. People just assume that I just that like somebody's helping me with this job. I have like somebody doing it for me and then I'm not doing it myself. I also get accused of not having schizophrenia. Like, oh, there's no way you have it at all. I'm like, well, I'll take that as a compliment, but um, I have it. So don't accuse me of not. So that's kind of frustrating too. Medications is something that, let's face it, also has stigma surrounding it. Let's talk about your treatment journey. I mean, I started taking psych meds at 18. A lot of them didn't work. I had to say that I threw a lot of them in the toilet, which I was actually told you're not supposed to do that. But I mean, I throw a lot of them away. I throw, I've thrown so many bottles of medications away. It's unreal. But with the current doctor that I've had, we, we've worked together. We've gone up, we've gone down, we've gone around this, we've gone that. But like right now, I'm in a cocktail of seven medications, six in the morning, one at night. And I think it works perfectly for me right now. And I don't want to change anything. You talked about the fact that you are currently taking seven medications, but you've thrown out multiple pill bottles. Why did you throw out those medications? Well, when I threw out those medications, it was all when I was diagnosed bipolar and mostly my freshman year of college. And it was because I was acting erratic first, and then I was given medication that it kind of subdued me, but I wasn't happy. And I didn't understand, you know, like what is real happiness supposed to feel like? And then I got in a whole bunch of trouble. I went to the psych ward and I was like, I don't know. They gave me these meds. I didn't like them. And then, you know, I said, I don't, I don't know why I did what I did. And they let me out of the psych ward the next day. And then I just threw those meds in the garbage because I blame them for what happened. Basically. What impact have the meds that you did keep and you are taking have on your life and how do they affect you today? I love the meds that I take now. They make me have a clearer mind, a focused life, and a calm life, and I feel the best that I could possibly feel. Like, they're definitely the right meds for me. You're listening to Look Again, Mental Illness Reexamined, a podcast brought to you by the BC Schizophrenia Society and BC Partner Organizations. I'm your host, Phaedra Aldridge. This podcast would not be possible without the support of the entire community. From the bottom of our hearts, we want to thank you for caring about mental illness. Together, we truly can make a difference. We're back with Michelle Hammer, mental health advocate, entrepreneur, and founder of Schizophrenic NYC, with her eye for design and edgy slogans inspired by symptoms people with schizophrenia usually experience, Michelle is aiming to break down the stigma around schizophrenia, and that she does. Along with her fashion design, Michelle is also one of the hosts and producers of Schizophrenia and the City, a podcast and video series where she talks about her experience with schizophrenia and life in New York City. Michelle's YouTube channel also gets pretty real, covering topics, every topic, the psych ward, suicide, dating, and even sharing what she experienced during an episode of psychosis. Let's listen to a clip. 
I've been trying to record myself while I talk to myself and I'm having an episode, but I've been having a lot of trouble. But a few years ago, I did catch myself having an episode. I recorded myself and I thought I only had about two seconds, but when I replayed the video, I actually had more about 20 seconds and it was really interesting to me to watch because I had never really seen myself talk to myself ever. So I wanted to show people what it actually looks like while I narrate the entire time. And I was just listening to music just to, to zone out. And you can see it soon in my eyes. I will start thinking I'm looking at something or I'm gonna start hallucinating. I start thinking there's people in the room that are there. And there, there's my eyes. I'm looking around that I'm talking right now. I'm making no actual sounds, but I'm talking. And that movement was me trying to get out of the talking. I'm trying to fight the talking by making these faces. I'm trying to get out of it. I want it to stop. And I don't even know that I'm doing this right now. And I'm, I'm just making these weird faces and I'm talking. And it's just bizarre and, and it's fighting almost. I'm almost fighting myself and stopping from talking, but I'm having this conversation and I, I don't want it to be there. Wow. That's a pretty revealing and very vulnerable video. It's also one of your most popular video postings. Yeah, that the original video of that before I did the whole narration, I just videoed that and I made it private and I sent it to my doctor. That was the original plan for that video. What did your doctor say when, when he or she saw that? <laughs> he was like, you put this on YouTube? I go, it's private. I said, I, said, I made it private and just so you can see it. And he was like, he, he found it interesting. So Michelle, when you watch that video, it's always strange when you watch yourself doing anything. But what was it like for you to watch yourself and see yourself experiencing psychosis? Uh, I mean, like I said, I, I had never recorded myself before that. So I was like, whoa, this is what I do. That's what I'm doing. Because I had no idea I had recorded that much of myself. So when I played it back, I was like, dude, what am I doing? Do I really do all of that? Do people see all of this? I, I, I had no idea that I actually looked completely like that when I, when I talked to myself. I had no idea. I just like put my computer next to me, played music, see what I can do. And, and then that was there. I was kind of shocked by it, honestly. I didn't know it really looked like that. And dude, I, it kind of blew my mind. Honestly, I, I, I didn't even know what to think. And that is one of your most popular video posts. So what type of feedback have you received from your viewers? I get all kinds of feedback. I mean, like I said before, people say that I'm faking always. I'm always faking. People always think I'm faking, you know, but then I also get like, you know, thank you so much for sharing this. This helps me with my, with like, you know, my, myself or help. You know, this helps me with my, my, my father, my husband, my daughter, my son. I get a lot of things like that, that it's from caregivers that are helping that I'm helping them like understand who they're caring for. I get a lot, a lot of that. And, and, of course, people that also have schizophrenia, they like it too. So speaking of caregivers, do you feel supported by your loved ones? Yes, I, I am definitely, definitely supported by my loved ones. I know that I would not be here today if it wasn't for my friends, family, and doctor. I know that like I could so easily be one of the people that are homeless on the street. You know, a few years ago, I was on like an empty subway train. There was like one guy on it and he was homeless and I looked down the train and he was doing the exact same thing that I did when I talked to myself. And I thought to myself, what's the difference between me and him? I have family, friends, and a doctor. And if I didn't have those three things, 
that's me. I would be that homeless dude on the subway talking to myself. So then I realized I'm extremely lucky. And I know I'm schizophrenic, but I'm extremely, extremely lucky because if I didn't have my support team, I would be homeless on the subway talking to myself just like him. And that's when I was like, I need to make a change. Something has to change because this is not okay that I'm so fortunate and he is not. And something needs to help out with the mentally ill homeless and make awareness. And so this dude doesn't just fall through the system and doesn't have a good life. Michelle, that is so admirable. I find it absolutely incredible. You were misdiagnosed at the age of 18, diagnosed with schizophrenia at the age of 22, and now doing everything within your power to increase awareness of schizophrenia and to do your part to assist other people with this mental illness. Hi, I'm Michelle Hammer, and today I'm doing Schizophrenia Q&A. I uh, started the company Schizophrenic NYC. You can check it out at schizophrenic.nyc. Let's get into the questions. What would you say to your younger self? It's paranoia. It's not real. Those thoughts that you're thinking are fake. Not everyone hates you. This is what you have. You are have schizophrenia. Believe me, I'm you from the future. And these are the meds you need to take to feel better. Okay, Michelle, now let's talk about labels and terminology. You describe yourself as a schizophrenic. Now, this is a hot topic, as some people see this term as being highly derogatory. But I would love to hear your thoughts about stigma and the language we use. Right. There are people that choose identity first language or person first language. I go by identity first language. And I didn't even know that schizophrenic was considered like negative until two years after I was diagnosed when like my friend had a social worker over and she said, oh, you know, Michelle, don't you have uh, you have bipolar? And I was like, no, I'm schizophrenic. And she goes, no, you're supposed to say you're a person with schizophrenia. And I was like, oh, have I been insulting myself for two years? But even bigger than that, there are people spending so much money on campaigns about person first language. Shouldn't we take that money and actually help the people who maybe have a mental illness who are homeless and freezing to death? I think we can use that money in so many better places. Michelle, those people that do reach out to you that have been diagnosed or family members that are reaching out to you because their loved one has been diagnosed with schizophrenia or a serious mental illness, what words of wisdom would you pass along to them? Getting diagnosed is not a bad thing. It's a good thing because now you can be treated for the right illness. And if you're a caregiver dealing with somebody, you know, you have to be patient. Not everything just happens automatically or really fast. Just be patient and be caring, be loving, and try not to get frustrated. Hmm. Michelle, if you could make an announcement to the entire world right now about what schizophrenia is and how the world should view this illness or any other serious mental illness, what message would you like to convey? You know, don't let the stigma from society stop you from living your best life and don't let self-stigma shame you into thinking you can't achieve your dreams. Well said. I'm clapping right now. (laughs) Thank you. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today and helping us kick off our second season in such a bold way. I love your enthusiasm and the fact that you have been able to take something that could be seen as a very negative situation and turning it into something very positive and embracing it. 
we will make sure to put a link to Schizophrenic NYC where people will be able to find all of your designs, listen to your podcast, your YouTube videos, and more. Michelle, thank you so much for doing what you do and for being here today with me. Thank you so much for having me. And a huge thanks to you, our audience, for joining us today. Together we change and we have the ability to change the narrative around mental illnesses like schizophrenia and to end the many myths and many stereotypes that still exist today. If you have any questions or any comments at all, tweet us at BC Schizophrenia. And to get our latest podcast episodes, be sure to hit follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Talk to you soon. This podcast is brought to you by the BC Schizophrenia Society and the BC Partners for Mental Health and Substance Use Information. We're a group of nonprofit agencies providing good quality information to help individuals and families maintain or improve their mental well-being. The BC Partners members are Anxiety Canada, BC Schizophrenia Society, Canadian Institute for Substance Use Research, Canadian Mental Health Association's BC Division, Family Smart, Jesse's Legacy, the North Shore Family Services Program, and Mood Disorders Association of BC, a branch of Lookout Housing and Health Society. BC Partners are funded and stewarded by BC Mental Health and Substance Use Services, an agency of the Provincial Health Services Authority. For more information, visit heretohelp.bc.ca. What is the best thing about living with schizophrenia? The best thing about living with schizophrenia is the amazing people that I've met in the mental health field. I have made so many amazing friends within the advocacy field for mental health. Such a great community. Everyone is so nice. And I'm just, I'm, I'm loving it. I just love the community, just the healthcare advocacy community coming together, bringing everyone together, unity and love and support, and we all support each other.